Welcome to the Cyber Rants Podcast, where we're all about sharing the forbidden secrets and slightly embellished truths about corporate cybersecurity programs. We're ranting, we're raving, and we're telling you the stuff that nobody talks about on their fancy website and trade show giveaways, all to protect you from cyber criminals. And now, here's your hosts, Mike Rotondo, Zach Fuller, and Lauro Chavez. Hello, and welcome to the Cyber Rants Podcast. This is your co-host, Zach Fuller, joined by Mike Rotondo and Lauro Chavez. Good podcast today, as always. Good-looking group of listeners today, too. I think we have the best-looking listeners, probably, of any podcast. Wouldn't you guys agree? Oh, yeah. So, love looking at the live audience. Love it. I think they're the most intelligent, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and if you don't know how we know that you're looking sharp today, it's new new technology. We'll, maybe we'll talk about next, next episode. But uh, for today, we're talking about technical controls and uh, putting protections around users, which is super important. But before we do that, Mike, do you want to play Anchorman for us? Sure. <laughs> the arsonist had oddly shaped feet, and here we go. There's a lot of headlines this week. There's a lot going on other than what, what else you're seeing in the news about Afghanistan and other things. So I'm just going to hit some highlights, but there's uh, a lot that are going to be posted at our site. So I'm combining this into three, Microsoft Exchange under attack with proxy shelf laws, Unpatched Microsoft Exchange servers hit with proxy shell attack, and Microsoft breaks silence on barrage of proxy shell attacks. Long story short, patch your Exchange servers if you haven't, which is basically uh, Microsoft's guidance on the subject. Security researchers at Huntress Lab also reported seeing proxy shell vulnerabilities being actively exploited throughout the month of August to install backdoor access once the proxy shell exploit code was published on August 6th. Huntress reported a surge in attacks after finding 140 web shells launched against 1,900 unpatched Exchange servers. So this thing's back, and if you haven't, haven't patched your Exchange server, please do. Other news from Microsoft, 38 million records exposed from Microsoft Power Apps of dozens of organizations. I love the irony of this. One of those is Microsoft Global Payroll. 38 million records from 47 different entities, including the state of Indiana, state of Maryland, New York City, American Airlines, and of course, Microsoft Global Payroll. Google publishes zero-day vulnerability in Windows Firewall and App Container, affecting every version with no patch available. So that's always good news. Google's cybersecurity unit published research detailing its analysis of the firewall and app container in Microsoft's runtime environment. It points to the detection of a severe vulnerability in App Container that Microsoft has not chosen to address. There's a good article. I don't want to get too, too, too deeply into it, but it's all exploitable. Uh, that can lead to privilege ex- escalation. From the... C- consumer side, over a third of smart device owners do not take security measures. So that's your smart TV, your Alexa at home, your smart refrigerator, smart washing machine, or whatever smart stuff you got at home. 71% do not take the present proper measures to secure those devices. So check that one out. Just some quick headlines. FBI sends its first ever alert about ransomware affiliate. Definitely worth a good read. Sister shares, guide, shares guidance on how to prevent ransomware data breaches. Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon chiefs to meet with Biden over critical infrastructure cyber attacks. And then to round that one out, U.S. State Department was recently hit by a cyber attack. So maybe CISA needs to reach out to the State Department. There's more There's more headlines about data breaches in there, but we're going to leave it right there. So, Lauro, uh, any exploits we want to talk about? Afternoon delight. Yeah, thanks for that, Mike. Um, just one. Uh, just one. And it um, it involves our best friend the coked out, crazy minded <laughs> WordPress. <laughs> so, no. so, 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, big you surprise. only got one and it's WordPress? <laughs> I do. It's the only one worthy about talking about. I mean, uh, Mike got the other one. I mean, you know, it's I, I don't want to I don't want to talk about the you know the proxy shell stuff right after Mike talks about the proxy shell stuff. So yeah. I have to, you know, I have to filter I have to filter my other exploit data around, you know, the news, which is really the important stuff, right? So pay attention to that, everybody. Look up those, <laughs> look up those headlines. But for all you crazy people out there playing WordPress, I got one for you today. Uh, if you're using MailMaster, well, there's a local file inclusion vulnerability that got the code out there. Very, very nice code. I give a nice shout out to this guy um, for putting this together for everybody to use. Looks really, really nice. He's even got the nice ASCII header at the top of the exploit code. So make sure if you're running MailMaster and you're playing WordPress that you got that patched to the latest version where you've got some form of compensation in place to protect you from that local file inclusion. All right. Well, first, I do want to tell the listeners that we do not put the news and the uh, exploits on on repeat or no, not play replay <laughs> articles and news from previous episodes. Although we talk about Microsoft and WordPress a lot, this is actually all new material every episode. So I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there. So important stuff, you know, of course, it affects so many people being such huge environments. A lot of people are looking for ways to, you know, exploit both. But um, that said, especially with Word, I mean, a lot of Microsoft you're kind of stuck with, but. Well, some, some you don't bot have to in the use future. Race. No, you don't. Some, some bot in the future is going to, you know, look through all this and it's going to look through all the headlines. It's going to look at, it's going to say exploit. It's going to say Microsoft, and it's going to see that a whole bunch is going to do exploit Microsoft, exploit Microsoft, exploit WordPress, WordPress, and it's going to denote it's going to be like Microsoft bad, WordPress bad. <laughs> Why are you using this? You know what I mean? So I imagine the bot someday will figure out for us that the software is dangerous if you don't if you don't play with it in the right ways. Well, and there's a lot of Linux ones out there, especially cloud-based Linux right now. They didn't touch on that, but they, there was an article about the top 15 Linux exploits and how cloud environments aren't being properly secured for Linux. And people are just making the assumption because it's Linux, it's secure. And that's just not the case. So not to be an apologist for Microsoft, but they are not the only guilty party. I just wish, you know, if the government's going to tell us how to secure our stuff, that maybe they should secure their stuff. That's kind of my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's <laughs> look awesome. at my straw house. You need to build a brick one. That's Check asking a lot. It's <laughs> asking a lot. Well, well, maybe, you know, they'll, they'll come back and say, well, you should pay more taxes so we can secure, <laughs> well, secure our stuff better. They're probably going to say that either way. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's for sure. That would actually be a worthy, a worthy cause, right? I mean, yeah, I'd be like, uh, you know, I, if I can see the security plans, I'll agree to that. that right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have to plan? <laughs> Want even more Cyber Rants? Be sure to subscribe to the Cyber Rants podcast. Get your copy of our best-selling book, Cyber Rants, on Amazon today. This podcast is brought to you by Silent Sector, the firm dedicated to building world-class cybersecurity programs for mid-market and emerging companies across the U.S. Silent Sector also provides industry-leading penetration tests and cyber risk assessments. Visit SilentSector.com and contact us today. Let's move on, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> Is it time? Okay. Technical controls for protection around users of an organization. Now, 
we've talked a lot in the past uh, about uh, other other types of controls, right? And a lot around uh, governance, right? Policies and procedures and such. We've talked a lot about following different frameworks and all that. And here we want to get into kind of the a little bit of the nitty gritty, I guess you could say, for what you should actually do when you're thinking about configurations, when you're thinking about your users, what should you be doing to protect, I hate to say it, but protect the users from themselves. I think it's a critical thing that we all, every organization needs to be doing. What are your thoughts? If you had to give the top 36 tips in order, what would where would you start? God, there's 36. I just who made that <laughs> number up. I'll, I'll settle with I'll settle with three. How about that? It's 42. Uh, let's just pick 42. It's like a good nice number though. Yeah. Say friends don't let friends use Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't I guess number one, don't don't let them have administrative privileges at all times. What? <laughs> what? Why not? This, Why not? The... Tell us more. <laughs> well, so it's funny. There's now there's some protections in place. So as, as an example, you've you know you've you've got you've got some stuff running right. You maybe you you enabled your Windows firewall to prevent some uh, some inbound ports and protocols from some bad sites. And you know maybe you uh, maybe you've got Windows Defender running um, since we're talking about Windows. <laughs> and you've got Windows Defender running as antivirus, you know, to provide some protection for your user. But you've left your user to um, to be in an admin group or, or be part of the local administrators group. And so that individual now can become, oh, let's just say disgruntled with the configurations that you've laid forth to, you know, enable that protection. And they can go in and disable that protection, right? They can turn off the firewall. Um, they can go inside and, you know, they can disable the, the Windows Defender piece as well, right, on the Windows security side. So you, you kind of circumvent some of the good security practices you're trying to put in place by leaving the user to have those types of root and administrative privileges on the on the local machine that they're that they're operating. That's one. Well, I think that's number one. Talk about disgruntled. I mean, you could have someone encrypt their disk and not tell you how. Or, yeah, or, yeah, true. Or pull data. Yeah, absolutely. Or or shut down their antivirus because they don't like the prompts that are popping up. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that's what Windows Defenders. It's sort of it's it's sort of antivirus i guess you could kind of call it that you should but yeah you shouldn't yeah. really that's sort of uh, yeah, yeah i don't i wouldn't i was talking about more serious that's like call it an egg or souffle <laughs> yeah <you know? laughs> anyway so uh yeah i think that's number one and then you know to to add on to that if you you know if you're installing any third-party epp pieces you know if you don't have the security installed on those those agents to prevent tamper even from local administrators, then you know your users can can turn those off because they may they may be scanning the local disk at a bad time, or they may feel that their internet connection is unstable because of the agent that's running. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories around local agents now, right? And, and security. I think security tools in general in the past have always been part of them, right? I mean, that's what we always got blamed for. Anytime something went down, like, are you guys doing anything? Like, what do you, what do you mean? Are we doing anything? Like, running any scans? take down the network like no <laughs> like your app failed because it didn't have enough memory that doesn't have to do with us well, but security in general has always been the bad guy right so yeah and some of it you know from the administrative side of the house it's always a good idea to schedule things at the appropriate time and i remember one of the things that we did when when antivirus way back way back first came out when you could control it from a centralized location um you know you tried to schedule them the scans to run around lunchtime not at 
log in or not at four o'clock in the afternoon when people are trying to get out, but, you know, so smart scheduling will help some of that, but um, I just want to dovetail on, on the third party controls. So one of the things that we're seeing is people who have moved remotely is that they're starting to install software that works for them. That's not necessarily part of the approved suite of software uh, for, for your company. And you need to really prevent and lock down those kind of tools because those tools are not vetted. Those tools are not, secure necessarily and you know they're posting critical EPHI or PII or whatever on web-based forums that you haven't even reviewed and that really needs to be tied down yeah yeah no no that's a great point Mike and controlling your users and making sure that they they don't have permissions more than they need um, is 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 super important especially now with this work remote situation like you're saying we're, we're seeing organizations that are actually letting users bring their own device like their own home they're using their own home machines so you know yeah you might be in office 365 right so you're secured for the web supposedly but if that individual is not updating their home machine and you know the kids are using it or somebody else is coming in and using it or you know they get some form of you know kind of hidden hidden malware that's that's on the machine it's going to be able to to grab those tokens and those and see that email and grab those passwords and so that security of the home device you know now you've just introduced you know even uh you know a more significant risk to the business organization because now you have an untrusted device with a user um, that you can't control the permissions to that's accessing your business data so i think that you know that that's been a i don't know it's been a pretty big top of mind topic recently at least i think with some of our conversations right yeah so how do you yeah how do you handle that how do you handle that user security when when the device doesn't belong to you i i have a an ancient infosec proverb here that comes to mind um this is a new one and it's if you think buying devices for all your users is expensive try going through a breach <laughs> yeah no doubt <laughs> good, Very point. True. good point so, so in short, here's the thing is that to, to, to protect the user account, you have to be able to provide the user controls, which in some cases may mean you need to issue the device because you're going to have to control the configuration of the device, right? You need to also, you know, removing administrator privileges is not, it's a switch, okay? But it's so unfortunately, it doesn't matter if you're downloading something like Jump Cloud, or you're going to do it, or you're going to use Active Directory to do it. It Yes, it's a, it's just a, it's a Boolean um, check, but it's harder in, in, in reality because, you know, you may not be able to anticipate what your users may or might, may not need from you. So always have a good process to request elevated permissions temporarily or to have somebody have the capability to install something um, if they need it uh, for work purposes, right? Because you, otherwise you're going you're gonna to fill up your, your help desk tickets with users requesting for install software or admin privileges and not have a way to really do that in a good way. Um, and I think the other thing is 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 protecting the user accounts also means protecting that that user from themselves with with passwords. So that's a whole other conversation we could have. But I, I you know I see that you know federated you know federated password methodologies like you know single sign on and, and OAuth and things like that are kind of working because you can get some of your third party vendors to offer like a SAML hook in or something like that where you can enforce to that third-party portal that doesn't belong to you um, controls over the password and the user that are specific to your organization. So you can um, you can usually request that. So look into that if you're dealing with third-party apps and you are using a federated identity method today. 
I think that's a, that'd probably be a, a helpful thing to try to make sure their users aren't practicing bad passwords on third-party applications you can't control. Yeah. Um, so speaking of those third-party apps, one of the things that you do need to get is get all of those controls under IT um, and not let the business units manage those, especially for provisioning and deprovisioning where there's critical data in them. That's more of an operational control. Yeah, and if you're if you're a small, yeah, no, great point, Mike. And if you're a small shop and and you're you know one or two man IT, and you're trying to figure out how to do this, I you know the pride I hold to the proverb, I would try to get budgeting to issue laptops for your if your individuals that are um, that are bringing their own devices from home. I would do I would set that up as a priority for the year and request budget and. There's all kinds of risks that we could put around the untrusted device and using data, even though it's in a in a stream to a third party like a, a Google um, corporate or or Microsoft Office 365 or, or any other of those types of um, outsourced third party email kind of work hubs, right? If the, if the endpoint device can be compromised, that data in the stream is probably going to get compromised at some point too. So um, you know, try to request budget, try to issue those devices, try to get a, a handle on what your users need daily so that you don't really have to enforce, you know, giving everybody administrative privileges because that's the easy way out. Um, it will, it will take a little bit of engineering, a little bit of questioning inquisition to your users to find out what they need, but that's really the right way to go about it. And, and I'm going to say it um, and I'll shut up, <laughs> but all you administrators out there, you need to have two accounts too. You need to have an administrator account that you do your admin work with. And if you guys are on, you know, Nix or whatever, that's a sudoers file. Okay, you need to be added to that. There needs to be a process around that. And if you're on Windows, you need to have two accounts. You need to have your admin account, admin group account. You need to have your user account. You don't need to be an admin all day long, every day, surfing the internet and, you know, checking on your, you know, checking on your email. That's, you know, going to meetings, right? That's perfectly fine for your user account. And then you need to elevate with your other account when you actually need to do engineering level work. And that's what the audit framework is going to look for SOC 2 or anything else, right, Mike? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm actually surprised at how many companies don't do that. So, I mean, that's just common hygiene. Well, thanks a lot, Laura and Mike, because we just lost a whole bunch of our listeners. Lot, lots of unsubscribes. <laughs> lots of unsubscribes. People don't want to have two accounts. It's terrible. Yeah, I'm watching our followers go down right now. It's like, <laughs> we just lost We just lost four or five million. We still got, oh, we still got several hundred million, so it's okay, but... Well, yeah, that will be, we'll be just fine. Just fine. <laughs> but, uh, but, well, Hey, speaking of it, let's, let's talk about the, one of the things that we run into quite a bit, which is those companies that kind of are partially there, those companies, especially mid market and emerging organizations, they, they went out and they, they did the right thing in buying a bunch of company owned devices and issuing devices to their users, but they don't have any management of them. They're not, they're not using Active Directory or Jump Cloud or anything similar. So they're ba they're basically leaving the user, leaving the updates and everything else up to the users. Um, how how would you recommend they go from that state into a managed state and and uh, deploy the you know proper hardening images and all that across the board? Get everybody together on the same page as as appropriate and have it have those devices managed from a central location? Yeah, good question. So built first off, you know, define what your what your environment's gonna be, whether you're gonna be, you know, Mac, you're gonna use Windows, build yourself a STIG for, you know, the bare minimum secure configuration that you're gonna need for that device for the user. 
and then build your, if you're whatever you're using, build yourself a, a deploy script. If you don't, if you want to be old school and you can do it per device and then issue the device after it's, after it's had its, um, it's stig installed and um, the permissions and all of that for the user installed all the necessary apps, you know, removed and um, necessary apps installed. And then you hand it off as part of the build process. Um, that would be the next step. If you're, you know, not looking to, you know, try to hook up into Active Directory or, you know, it, you know, Active Directory cloud type stuff, or, you know, trying to use a, a bolt on like, like a jump cloud, like you said, um, which is, which are, which are all viable options, right. To do that control. Yeah, I mean, I really, I mean, that's really the best way to do it as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, and for, for if you're trying to implement that, the best thing to do is just start anything new gets rolled out with the new config. And, you know, as you, as you have time, go back and replace and replace and replace. So uh, as, as you take the depreciation on a device, then you, then you replace it with something new and you need to push up those depreciation schedules to ensure they're secure. Yeah, no, that's a super good idea too. Um, but I mean, it's really, you know, if, if, if you got, if you've got budget to deploy a device, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're not going to use a Mac, I mean, you know, nothing against that, but you know, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little, honestly, it's a little easier with a, with a windows device to, to build a script um, to, to, to secure the device and then deploy it than it is with a Mac. It takes a little more work, but um, you know, I think you can do it either way. And then if, if, if that becomes the, you know, too much of a, a process, to repeat over and over again, then you can you can get into the whole agent, right? Based stuff like Jump Cloud. There's a few others out there. I don't drop their name. Well, get paid uh, by those guys or anything. Maybe we should get paid by those guys. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the other thing that's out there too is that there are VARs. Depending on your size and in your budget, there are VARs out there that do computers as a service. So you just tell them what to config. They take care of all of it. They take care of your maintenance. They take care of applying the device, uh, repairing the devices, providing the devices and procure them. So, I mean, if you don't have the work resources to manage something like this, there are services out there. They do cost, they aren't cheap, but uh, you know, there are services out there that can do that kind of stuff. It, uh, yeah. Can, and but, can I just remind everything it was, it was, it was mentioned before, but just remind everybody that um, this is not optional. When you get into filling out security questionnaires, um, especially for B2B technology companies, software as a service, system integrators, people like that. I mean, you have to have control over your end user devices and you have to be pushing patches. You have to be on top of this stuff that you cannot meet compliance requirements and really, you know, achieve much at all without doing this. So it's at some point you'll have to take the leap if your organization is growing. I was just going to say that you, you know, if you're, if you're out there, you're listening to this and you're, you know, a two or three man shop and you're just, you know, you're buying machines and you're just sending them out to everybody and telling them to log in and, you know, use the Office 365, whatever. Um, that's not good enough. You need to have a plan in place because it's going to be an instantaneous fail on any assessment for you not having end user control over the devices. If everybody has administrative level permissions and you don't have a way to control the, them turning off security configurations or, you know, um, mitigate or, you know, bypassing security configurations that you're trying to, to put there to reduce risk, you're going to fail an audit. And, and okay. so be thinking of, of ways to, to cleverly get around that without having to, you know, ask for a bunch of money. You can go back to Google and start asking all the nerds out there that have done this a million times on how to build a STIG and a deploy script for your, your, your endpoints and, um, you know, start, 
you know, just start sending them out and, and yeah, like <laughs> pull them in and then replace them with a new one. And, you can get them, you can get them from CIS too. I mean, CIS has the, the base images, the gold images. I mean, as long as you get CIS as a paid service. Yeah, absolutely. And that's pretty cheap. It's not expensive, I don't think. And no, yeah, their, their images are completely worth it too, I think. Yeah. It's based on their, I think their fees, the last time I looked at it, was based on the number of users in your company. And if you're, you know, 150 person company, it's not expensive. So it's something to keep in mind. Probably a lot cheaper yep. than hiring, you know, an engineer to build these out for you. Yeah. Yep. And I know, I know what every admin's out there thinking. It's like, this has been in the back of your mind. You just had other stuff to do. Yeah. And so, yeah, don't, don't lose sight of this. Right. Cause it's, it's going to come back at some point, the business you're working with is going to get a questionnaire or going to need to meet an audit requirement. And this is going to be one of those catches that you're going to have to solve. And so solve it sooner than later. Um, it's, you know, you're hearing this message today for a reason. It's, it, it could be divine. You never know. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. You, you, you want to get it done though. Now that yeah, you know, I, now that you're reminded, now that you know, we're telling you again. Yeah, I'm looking at you. Don't look at your radio like that. You know exactly who I'm talking to. <laughs> you look you look wonderful today, by the way. You you know who you are. And yeah, great shirt. Well, any final words of wisdom before we wrap up? Don't trust your users. Yeah, you well programmatically you can't. You shouldn't take the risk to, right? So control those actions. Yeah. Yeah, they are, I mean, generally the greatest threat to your company is the insider. Yeah, you most all through, the malware, yeah, right? All the malware comes from user click. Yeah, I mean, whether intended or unintended, they, they are your biggest, you know, your biggest risk. Whereas, you know, the rogue admin story that's out there does happen from time time to time occasionally, but uh, it's more of your, you know, the secretary sitting at a desk or some, you know, clerk in accounting that clicks on the wrong email and all of a sudden, boom. Yep. Yeah, call center employee decides yeah. that they want the hundred dollar Amazon gift card. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it, that that's what we see all the time. Yeah. The rogue admin certainly happens, but not as much as it does for, you know, somebody who's, you know, kind of, you know, maybe bored, have some bored time or be on lunch doing some stuff. Right. So you never know. Yep. The, um, um, the fact that you're using office 365 and, you know, box, and QuickBooks Cloud to run the company is not is certainly not a um, valid reason to not do these things anymore, um, just based on all the breaches and stuff we've seen. So um, get it done. I uh, hope you enjoyed this podcast. Hope it was valuable for you and you learned some things. Um, again, subscribe to the podcast if you if you enjoy it. Um, share it with your friends, other people that might benefit from this information might be able to learn. And go to cyberrantspodcast.com if you have any, any ideas, thoughts, questions, anything like that. We want to hear from you. There's a web form right there um, next to the podcast list, and you can just uh, get in touch or um, reach out on LinkedIn because we want to talk about topics of interest that are of interest to you and, and beneficial to you and your career. So thank you again for listening, everybody, and have a wonderful day. Pick up your copy of the Cyber Ants book on Amazon today. And if you're looking to take your cybersecurity program to the next level, visit us online at www.silentsector.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Cyber Rants podcast. 
I only want to listen to Star Wars trivia, so only ask me that <laughs> stuff. All right. There you have it. There's one request. <laughs>